After a little bit of a break, it's good to be back uh, here with you guys, and I'm really, I really am excited for this series. I'm glad that you're here this morning, uh, this series that we're starting today entitled Leaving Worry Behind, and I think just a, one that um, has a real potential to mean a lot in our faith lives as we go forward in life, especially maybe this time of year as uh, many of us are preparing for kids going back to school and uh, kind of a, the busy school year starting back up and lots of, things to, lots of things that are new and different and changing this time of year. So I think uh, one that's good for all of us. Before we go any further, I want to uh, ask you to have a little bit of group participation this morning just by show of hands. Um, who here today, by show of hand, hands, who here today would say that you worry on a fairly regular basis? Okay, you can put your hands down. Who, who here today, by show of hands, did not just raise their hand because they were worried about what other people would think? Anyone want to raise their hand? No. All of us uh, face worry from time to time in our lives. Some of us um, face worry a little bit more, deal with worry a little bit more in our lives. Um, before we go any further, I'll just be real upfront and honest with you. There's been far too many times in my life or more times than I care to uh, share where worry has been a, a dominant factor in my life. Um, where worry has been this all-consuming kind of thought in my life as to, you know, what is God up to? What should I be up to? Why this? Why that? Why not this? And why not that? And uh, by God's help, and I think especially through these words from Matthew chapter 6, which is why I'm so excited about what we're going to be talking about today, that God has really um, changed my life and God has really worked on my faith um, through these words and has, I'm, I'm by no means someone who never worries anymore, but I've come a long way in that struggle with worry. And I think today through these words from Matthew chapter 6, I think all of us will walk away with a better understanding of, of what worry really is and what it's all about and the ways that we worry and then what God has to say about worry. And if you're someone who's ever looked online or you've ever gone to the library and you've checked out books on stress and worry and anxiety and you've, you've searched for answers, you've wanted some resolutions to the, this um, factor in your life, what Jesus has to say today it's just, it's so remarkable. It is so different than anything, any advice, any thoughts and ideas that this world has to offer. And so if worry is something that you still struggle with, if worry is still a part of your life, Jesus' words today will offer great encouragement to your faith. And your faith is where this whole idea of worry really intersects with the Bible. And so we're going to talk about that today. Now, before we go on, um, let's just talk a little bit about worry and what are the things that we worry about. Some of us, we worry about failure. Some of us worry about criticism. Some of us, we worry about the economy. We worry about um, job stability. We worry about our kids. We worry about our health. We worry about um, finances, we worry about the mortgage, we worry about what other people are doing, and there's just kind of this whole list of things that from time to time all of us tend to worry about. And for some of us, just hearing that list of things that I just rattled off, for some of us, that, that makes our hands start to get a little bit clammy. You know, we're starting to already get a little anxious just by hearing some of those things because we know that those are kind of trigger points for us in our lives. For some of us, Worry, it's like if we don't have something in our own lives to worry about, we find somebody else's problems to worry about. It's like we just can't live without worry. 
For some of us, you know, some of you are smiling, you know, this is probably you. It's just kind of like second nature. It's just like, well, I don't know what to do right now. I'll worry. It just comes naturally to you. It's just like you find yourself worrying again and again and again and again. You're like a NASCAR driver, and it's always another left turn, right? You know, I've been here before, done that before, and it's just left turn or worry, worry, worry again and again and again, and it just seems to be a part of your life. And what we're going to discover today is that worry has to do with our devotion. The things that we are devoted to are the things that we end up worrying about. And so while all of those books and all of that advice that you might find online are going to direct you to you know, self-help type of things and look at within yourself and look at your life, what Jesus is going to do is he's going to address where our devotion lies. And rather than being more devoted to ourselves, rather than being more focused on ourselves, Jesus is going to tell us that our devotion needs to be on something else. And he's going to kind of, I'll just warn you before we get into Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is going to take his time getting to that point. So if, you know, 10 minutes from now, 15 minutes from now, you're thinking, man, Jesus or man, Pastor Steve, just get to the point, Jesus is getting there. But he's going to address a lot of questions that we need to answer for ourselves before he gets to the real issue of our devotion. Okay? So, and fear, fear is fueled, or I'm sorry, I just gave it away. Worry is fueled by fear. Fear of what the unknown holds. So there is uncertainty in the future, and that can cause fear for us, and that fear fuels worry. And that fear looks something like this. It's what if I don't get something? What if I don't get married? What if we don't have kids? What if I don't get that job? What if, what if I don't, what if my kids don't get into school? What if my kids don't excel? What if my kids get wrong in with the wrong crowd? And it's that fear of something in the future and it, that worry is this, this unhealthy, this sinful preoccupation with the uncertainty of the future. And fear, fear can also be, well, what if I get, right? So first of all, it's what if I don't get married? What if I do get married and we get a divorce? What if we do have kids, but they're not healthy? What if we do have kids, but they don't succeed? What if we do have kids, but they don't get in with the right crowd of kids? What if I do get cancer? What if I do lose my job? And there's all of these things... Again, in the future, that can cause us fear, which fuels this worry. Now, some of you here today, you're probably sitting here and you're thinking, man, I was not worrying before I came into church. (laughs) That's not where I was going with that. (laughs) Um, But um, maybe you are now. That's probably what you're thinking. All right, my apologies for that. That's not where I was going with that statement, though. Some of you this morning, you came in here this morning and you were thinking, well, I wasn't worried about anything and, you know, I'm doing pretty good. And the reason you're not worrying is because you think that you know what the future holds. And you're comfortable with what the future holds, you think. And I just need to let you know, as we're going to talk about today, that for all of us, the future is uncertain. For all of us, the future is an unknown. And some of you push back and you think, no, no, no. I've got a calendar and I've got a day planner and I've got vacation plan and I've got concert tickets and we've got a reservation for a restaurant this week. I know what this week holds. I know what's going on and I just need to let you know that you don't. None of us do. 
None of us in this room this morning, none of us know if we'll even be around tomorrow. And so for all of us, the future is unknown. And how we face the future is what Jesus is going to be talking about today. Now, a couple of things about Jesus dealing with worry and dealing with stress in our lives. First thing is, as we read these words this morning from Matthew chapter 6, as we read other lessons in the next two weeks after this week, I just want you to know that Jesus approaches the topic of worry and stress in our lives in a very sympathetic way. Some people look at the Bible and they look at God and they have this idea that God is just this, you know, dictator up in heaven and he's got all of these rules and regulations and commands for our lives and he just kind of takes all the fun out of life and he doesn't really care. He just wants us to follow the rules. Follow the rules. Follow these commands. Now, I'll grant you that the Bible has a fair number of commands and rules in it. Let me ask you a question, though. Do you know which command in Scripture is repeated more often than any other command found in Scripture? Anybody want to take a guess? Two words. Fear not. Does that surprise you? That the most frequently said command in Scripture is to fear not. What that tells us is that coming from the Bible, which is written over thousands of years by 40-some different authors, 66 books, and the most repeated theme or most repeated command in Scripture is fear not. It tells us something about human beings. It tells us that we have a tendency to fear the future. Which means that we have a tendency, all of us, to take our devotion off of what God says our devotion should be on and to put it on the unknown which is out in the future, the uncertainty of the future. And God knows our hearts. God knows that we have a tendency to go down that road and so he's going to bring us back this morning to the thing that we should have our devotion on rather than the things that we think we should be devoted to, the things which cause us the worry and the stress and the anxiety to begin with. And so Jesus' command is don't worry. Now, you can take a command and you can, you can hear a command in two different ways, right? You can hear the command, fear not, or as Jesus is going to say, don't worry, and you can hear that like it's a, you know, don't fear, why are you fearing? Don't fear. You know, as this, this command, this, this uh, you know, demand that you need to stop being afraid and stop worrying. That's one way you can hear a command. Or you can hear a command as an invitation. You can hear a command as simply the invitation to not be afraid and to not worry. And I just want to let you know before we go any further that Jesus' command to not be afraid and to not worry is an invitation. You can imagine as if Jesus has come and he's put his arm around you, he looks you in the eyes and he says to you, don't be afraid. Don't worry. I love you. I'm here for you. I care about you. And I know what the future holds. So you don't have to be afraid. And you don't have to worry. Now, another amazing thing about Jesus and this topic of worry is that Jesus, it's not like he doesn't understand 
situations that would cause us worry. It's not like some religions view of God as if he's just up there in heaven and everything always goes well and the angels are always worshiping him and he has no idea what life is like here on earth and he has no idea what stressful situations are like. And, you know, so him to say, don't worry, it's just like, well, what do you, you don't even understand worry. No, Jesus understands worry. He understands stress. He understands anxiety because he came here to earth. Jesus was a human being. Jesus understands what it's like to have your family disown you. Jesus understands what it's like to have the world and the people around you to turn on you, to betray you, to physically torture you and hurt you. Jesus understands what it's like to have a best friend turn his back on you. And think about it. Jesus understands what it's like to truly face the wrath of God. Jesus understands because he took our place in facing that wrath of God so that we wouldn't have to. And the greatest thing that we could ever fear, that wrath of God, Jesus has faced it for us so that we don't have to. And so when Jesus says, fear not, don't worry, he understands. And it's not just some random piece of advice He can say it for a reason, and he can say it because he loves you. And he can say it because he cares about you, and he can say it because he wants what's best for your life, and he can say it because he knows what's best for your life. And that's where he's going to get to this whole conversation of worry in our lives in Matthew chapter 6. Now, the context of Matthew 6 Um, has to do, Jesus sets this whole conversation up of worry 2,000 years ago. He sets it up around the idea in the context of talking about money. And Jesus says that you cannot be devoted to God and money or the stuff of this world. You can be devoted to God and not devoted to stuff, or you can be devoted to stuff and not devoted to God, but you can't be devoted to both of them is what Jesus is saying, which is really very fitting that Jesus brings up this idea of worry in the context of money because in America today, 70% of Americans say that their number one chief concern and worry in life has to do with money. And so Jesus' words for us today fit in very well with our culture and our society. Now, it's not just money that we worry about, and it's not just stuff that we worry about. We do worry about relationships. We do worry about health. There are other things that we worry about. But one of the primary things that we worry about is money. And Jesus is going to address the topic of worry in the context of money, and we'll talk about that today. So Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 25, Jesus says, therefore, he's connecting it to this whole context of worry and money, how those two things fit together. He says, therefore, I tell you, I'm going to start and address this issue of worry when it comes to stuff and money and other areas that you worry in your life. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Okay, Jesus. I've heard that before. I've read that in books before. I've seen that online. He goes on. He says, so I don't want you to worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more, val- is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? And Jesus, in his culture, he's addressing some of the things that would have been primary worries in their life. This is not a society where you could go to Costco Or you could go to Cub. It's not a society where you can turn on the faucet and get a glass of water. It's not a society where you can go to the Mall of America or to Target and buy some clothes. 
So Jesus addresses, he says, don't worry about your life, general statement. Let me talk about some specifics. Let's talk about food. Let's talk about water. Let's talk about clothes. Maybe if Jesus was saying it today, he'd be saying, let's talk about 401ks. Let's talk about retirement. Let's talk about health. Let's talk about these things. And Jesus is going to say, it's an invitation. Don't worry about your life. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to retire on, what you're going to live off of. And isn't life more important than these things? Question for you. Is your life more important than your 401k? Is it? I hope you're saying yes. I hope you think that your life is actually more important than your 401k. Is your life more important than your checkbook? I hope you're saying yes. And what Jesus is getting at is that these things that we are so devoted to and that capture our attention that we end up worrying about, they're not as important as your life. And he's going to talk about your life and the idea of worry in just a little bit. So he's going to, he's going to come back to that, that uh, thought there. And then he goes on, verse 26, and he says, Look at the birds of the air. Now, if you're having a bad day, you come into my office, and you're stressed out, and everything's going wrong, and you're losing your job, losing your mortgage, your kids are, you know, doing whatever. You come into my office, and you kind of let that all out, and the first thing I say back to you is, look at the birds of the air. What do you think you're going to say back to me? Are you kidding me? The birds of the air? Who cares about the birds of the air? Come on, I've got this and this and this going on. And yet Jesus, in a very strong way, in, in the original language, Jesus says, no, I want you to stop right now and I want you to look at the birds of the air. So we take a deep breath. Okay, Jesus, I'll look at the birds of the air. Okay? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, You've never seen, come springtime, a bird get into a little tractor and pull a little planter around your backyard and plant rows of seeds. You've never seen that. Come fall time, you've never seen a bird get inside the cab of a little combine and harvest corn and wheat and then put it in the silo. You've never seen that. Guess what? You're never going to see that. And yet, the birds are provided for. And yet, the birds are taken care of. And what Jesus is saying is that the reason the birds are provided for and taken care of is because God takes care of them. Because God can take care of them, and he does take care of the birds of the air. So let me ask you a question. Are you not much more valuable than they? Do you believe that God cares for you more than he cares for the birds of the air? Let me ask it again, and this time I want an answer. Do you believe that God loves you more than the birds of the air? Good. I know we're getting kind of deep here this morning. But God does love you more than the birds of the air. And guess what? God provides and cares for the birds of the air. And they don't plan. And they don't store up. 
and they don't try to figure out what tomorrow is. And yet God still provides for them. Now, Jesus is not saying that you should just be lazy with life. Jesus is not saying you should take a fatalistic approach to life and, well, whatever happens tomorrow happens tomorrow. I didn't save up anything. I didn't plan anything. I, you know, I, I didn't put a for sale sign in front of the house. I didn't put any applications in. Jesus isn't saying be irresponsible with life. God tells us here and in other places in Scripture that we are to be responsible. We are to plan. We are to take care of our lives. But at the end of the day, when we've done all that we can do, that we need to leave it in God's hands because it is in God's hands, very capable hands, that the future holds. And that we can trust him with the future because he can take care of us better than we can take care of ourselves. Verse 27, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Remember what Jesus said before? He asked the question, is your 401k more important than your life? No, it's not. Know what he says here? Worrying about your 401k is not good for your life. You go to the doctor today, and you ask the doctor, hey, I've got an idea. I think I'm going to just be stressed out and anxious and worry all the time. Worried all the time. Is that going to be good for my life? Is it going to be just kind of neutral for my life? Or is that going to be detrimental to my health? The doctor's going to tell you it's going to be detrimental to your health. Well over 50% of doctor visits in America are directly attributed to stress and anxiety. Jesus is saying the same thing. Worrying about these things that aren't as important about your life are actually detrimental to your life. What he's saying is that there is no advantage to worrying. It does nothing good for you. It does not make the future any more clear in your life. So there's no point to worrying. Verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? Again, strong words of Jesus to say, stop right now and think about the lilies of the field. Think about springtime. When everything looks dead, when everything you know, looks like we just lost everything and it's brown and it's just yuck outside and all of a sudden those first tulips come out of the ground, all of a sudden those, le- those trees start to bud and there's leaves and we look at that and we, we see a, a thing of beauty. And it just happens. You know why it happens? Because God causes it to happen. Because God makes the lilies of the field grow. And God takes care of those things. And he says, They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? If God can take care of the lilies of the field and provide and make sure that they're taken care of, can't he also provide for you and make sure that you are taken care of? And then Jesus throws something out here that really gets to the heart of the issue and he says, oh you of little faith. And what Jesus does is he ties our worry to our faith. And what Jesus essentially says is that worry and faith occupy the same space within your heart. If you can picture a 20-gallon fish tank here today, 
you cannot put more than 20 gallons of anything inside that fish tank, correct? It's a 20-gallon fish tank. You could put 15 gallons of oil in there, and how much water would you be able to put? Five gallons. You could put two gallons of oil, and how many gallons of water would you be able to put in there? 18. But you can't put any more. And what Jesus is saying is that faith and worry, they occupy the same space in your heart. And when worry is ballooning, and when worry is taking up a lot of that space, what happens to your faith? When your faith is big, when your faith is occupying more of that space within your heart, what happens to your worry? It shrinks. So Jesus says there's a connection between your faith and your worry. And when worry is dominating your life, the answer is not try harder, The answer is not try to get rid of this or try to get rid of that stress or try to, you know, whatever with your life. It's a faith issue. It's a devotion issue. And Jesus is saying we need to address that in our lives. Going on, verse 31, he says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Let me ask you another question. I know you want to get to the resolution of what Jesus is talking about, but Jesus just keeps bringing up other things here. But, so let me ask you a question. Do you think that our response as Christians to worry and stress in our lives, do you think our response to those things in our lives should mimic the response of someone who doesn't believe that there even is a God. No. Jesus is saying our response to, the, to worry and anxiety and stress, it shouldn't mimic the way somebody who doesn't even believe that there is a God deals with stress in their lives. Let me ask you, though, how many times in our own lives don't we mimic how we deal with stress and anxiety and we mimic the people around us who don't even believe that there is a God? Do you believe that God created the universe? Yeah, I hope you do. Do you believe that God takes care of the birds of the air? Yeah, he does. Do you believe that God cares for the lilies of the field? Yeah, he does. Do you believe that you're more valuable to God than the birds of the air and the lilies of the field? You are. And so what Jesus is saying is that you can trust your Heavenly Father. You can trust and you can be confident that God loves you more. I mean, think about it. You're created in God's own image. You have a special place in God's creation. You were created with a soul. Your soul was redeemed. When God sent a Savior into the world, He didn't send a bird. He didn't send a goat. He didn't send a dog. He didn't send a lion. He sent a human being, Jesus, to come into this world to save sinful people. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Because God loves you. And because he cares about you. And so Jesus is saying, when there's worry in your life, it's a faith issue. And we need to come back to 
who God is. Because there will our devotion lie. And he goes on, verse 33, and he's going to wrap this up now. And he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first God's kingdom. The things that you were seeking first, those are the things that are causing you worry and stress. So stop seeking those things. Start seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Seek first God's kingdom. Seek first God's rule in your heart. Seek first God's love and concern for you. Because he does love you and he does care about you. And seek first his righteousness. What Jesus is talking about is that that God knows what's best for your life. And God wants us to live out that plan in our lives. And when we live out that plan in our, our, our lives, by the power of God as we live out that plan that God has for us in our lives, that God is going to continue to bless us. So seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Notice that there's not a seek second. Notice that it's not when you're done seeking God's kingdom, start seeking mortgage and job and all of these other things. It's just seek first God's kingdom. Seek first God's rule in your heart. Keep coming back to God's love for you and God's plan for your lives. In olden days, sailing days, uh, the story is told of a young sailor who was going out to sea for his very first time. And the ship that he was on was up in the North Atlantic. And a, a storm came up and the, the ship was being tossed around, throwing back and forth, waves crashing over the, sh- the sides of the ship. And this young sailor was told to go up and to trim the sails. And so he started climbing, and as he was climbing, he started to look down, and he looked at the chaos below him, and he looked at how the waves were crashing over the boat, how things were going side to side, and he started to lose his balance. And the old sailor who had told him to trim the sails shouted up to him, and he said, Look up, son, look up. And the man looked up, and he regained his balance. How often are our lives defined by the chaos that is all around us? The stress, the anxiety. And when we look at that, when we pay attention to that, when our attention and our devotion is on those things, what happens to us? We lose our faith, we lose our balance, spiritually speaking. And so if you just remember today, the only thing that you remember today is the encouragement to look up. To look up and see the nail-pierced hands that are holding you fast. That's Jesus' encouragement for us. To look up. And to know that no matter what the future holds, we don't know what the future holds, but we do know who holds the future. And those hands that hold the future are the best hands that we could ever be in. And we are to find comfort in there. We are to find comfort in God's love and provision for us. Amen. I invite you to please stand.